everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering wine, beer, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off of a $50 purchase and have it delivered straight to your door. Straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. To work, crisscrossing with Jost. Right in, turned out by Jari. That was a one on two. And Jost. McKinnon. The best Avalanche coverage in Denver. Outside, uh, hanging out alongside nobody else is already the rust is starting to show. Ten seconds in, uh, I am here by myself as uh, podcast roulette continues with us this week. As schedules have been crazy, uh, most of you guys know that I have been uh, laid up on IR for the last week or so, uh, battling a little bit of a kidney infection. So uh, you know, sorry I have not been around to. Talk about the disaster that is quickly turning into this avalanche season. Uh, but I am here tonight by myself as Jesse is, I think, playing hockey. And AD is on the road in Washington tonight making his way to uh, New York for the uh, next avalanche uh, next avalanche excursion out east. So uh, I, am, uh, I am alone here tonight talking about this game. A 4-3 loss by the Avalanche in overtime to the Washington Capitals. Uh, their second overtime loss uh, to the Caps this year, which is kind of funny because two overtime losses is basically a win. They go 0-0-2 against the Caps and pick up two of four points available to them on the season series. You got to love the loser point. Uh, the Avalanche dropped to 1-9 after... Um, after regulation ends and the game is still tied, boy, that's not very good. So uh, this was certainly a different effort, though. It wasn't a, wasn't a loss on the power play, um, but it was a, a, a loss on the on the breakaway there. So I guess let's just start at the end and work our way backward as as we'll get in as I'll get into the the game here. Um, overtime's kind of a mess. Um, they, they you know they honestly I thought they played a really good overtime for about three and a half minutes, four minutes. Um, it was it was really it was solid. They played good, solid defense. They didn't no major breakdowns. Allowed a couple of nice chances, but also created a couple of nice chances as well. Uh, and uh, you know, credit Semyon Varlamov who um, did pretty well um, getting even getting them there. To be honest, he had a bunch of big saves in the third period. Outside of that fiasco where you know he allowed the third goal. <laughs> By getting his blocker on a shot that wasn't going to be on goal. Um, but anyway, uh, I thought Varley played well in the overtime until, you know, obviously <clears throat> Kuznetsov beat him on the breakaway. But <clears throat> leading up to that, you know, I really I thought this was one of Colorado's better overtime efforts of the season, to be honest. I I didn't really have any major issues with uh, how they 
how they handled everything until that final shift where McKinnon started to head off, but he saw Barry was was down low and Rantanen was off in kind of no man's land as he tends to be in overtime where it doesn't look like he understands what's going on uh, even a little bit in OT. Um, and McKinnon started to head off for a change and, and read the play and came back, and it ended up being a very poor decision. And I thought at the time, oh, boy, that's not going to be good. He needed to get off there. He'd been on the ice forever. And, of course, it ends up costing him. You know, they rotate around. Barry ends up trying to drop the puck to McKinnon. For some reason, Rantanen also uh, is behind the net. McKinnon mishandles the, the little drop pass from Barry. It squirts out to the Caps, and Kuznetsov gets a clean breakaway. McKinnon ends up on the ice for the last 158 of the game instead of trying to go for a change. I mean, that's just your best player can't make decision like that in overtime. Like, I get you want to make the difference. Your team has the puck. You're finally on offense. But you're you're gassed, and you're going to make a mistake. You know, tired hockey leads to, to, to lazy hockey and bad hockey. And it's just it, – it was just – it was a selfish decision, and it just wasn't any good. He's got to make a better call than that. And obviously, hey, maybe they make that – maybe he handles that little – that drop pass from Barry and – they're able to create a goal, and we're not talking about McKinnon being selfish because the Avs found a way to win a game. So, uh, unfortunately, that's not the world we're living in right now. So, <laughs> you know, YOLO. Uh, but it was it was a pretty decent step forward for them in overtime up until that point. Obviously, getting to overtime is, I mean, hey, you'll take that, right? Um, I mean, I, if the Avs lose every game the rest of the season uh, in overtime, given how terrible the West is, they probably would make the postseason. <laughs> um, but no, really, uh, I, I, I think they, I mean, it was another good effort. Like, you go through and you look at the numbers and you look at all the breakdowns, you look at the stats of everything. It's just, uh, it's, it's tough. Um, it's tough when your team plays a good game like this, plays a solid game. I do think that while while shots and such were were uh, you know shot attempts ended up in Colorado's favor, shots on goal ended up in um, Washington's favor uh, thanks to a large disparity in in power plays. Um, it it. It could have been a lot worse for Colorado, um, but I think defensively there were a lot of holes there tonight. Um, I didn't like that the Caps were able to more or less dictate uh, whatever they wanted to do at the uh, in front of Colorado's net. Uh, they kind of had their way there, and if you look, uh, you know the the first goal is uh, Burakovsky. You know, banging home a puck into into an empty net, basically off off a nice uh, off a nice feed from T.J. Oshie, but that's a big time defensive breakdown on what was a pretty pretty basic cycle by Washington's offense, uh, and then you know the um, the third goal, obviously that's that's from the outside, uh, but the second you know the second goal and even the disallowed goal, um, you know. Varley gets a little leaky with the puck, but uh, there's no there's n the Avs aren't able to prevent players from dipping in and getting getting behind 
their goaltender and, you know, poking pucks home and such. You know, it happened to him twice tonight. And that, to me, that's unacceptable. You have to you have to play stronger in front of your own net. You have to be much meaner in front of your own net than, than they played tonight. Uh, I thought that was... One of the more disappointing aspects of the evening, uh, and an area where I'm, to be, to, in my opinion, Varley bailed him out a little bit in that in that particular area, um, because they were they were allowing an awful lot right in front of the goal, uh, right in front of him, where you know he Varley struggled to 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 corral pucks cleanly, but he was at least getting in front of them and given given how the goaltending has gone for Colorado lately you know that's it's a baby step forward it's it's a mini win you know the the 905 save percentage that Varley finished with tonight you know not obviously not ideal you want more than that but that's an unfortunate step forward from what they've gotten and i don't think it's a coincidence that they got a point out of it you know and you're not getting 860 goaltending or whatever it is that they've pretty much gotten since December started. It's it's crazy um, that that's that we I'm looking at that and I'm saying oh it's a step forward, but defensively I really didn't like I didn't really didn't like uh, what what the Avalanche were giving up. You know the third period they really didn't give up a whole lot at even strength. Uh, now there wasn't a whole lot of even strength time, um, as there, you know, there was only, um, you know, there was only about 43 minutes of even strength time tonight. So a third of the game is played on special teams, and, um, you know, that's <sighs> your special teams certainly have to be better. But it could have been a lot worse for Colorado tonight. You know, the Caps only went one for six on the power play, which, you know, uh, six giving a team six opportunities, and one of them, you know, with a five-minute major penalty involved, you know, they had a three-minute. They're up three to two, and they have a three-minute power play. And, uh, you know, they have a chance to, to slam the door shut, put the game away, and Colorado's penalty kill came up with a big one there. Um the Avs were lucky, though. They they gave up two power play goals tonight. Uh, one of them, obviously, was the disallowed one on the early early Tim Peel whistle, which I think I counted four whistles, four early whistles tonight, maybe three early whistles. I don't. There were way too many early whistles with with puck squirting free from from Varlamov and uh, Peel believing that they were uh, the pucks were covered, and he, you know, they were not. <laughs> So uh, the Avs got a little bit, a little bit of a break there. Uh, there was the offsides challenge uh, that the Avalanche had, where they uh, they scored their first goal, and Washington challenged uh, for offside. It was pretty clearly to me. It looked like I thought it was, I thought it was a, a clear onside where he was standing. He was still, still had a skate on the blue line. The fact that we're still having this conversation about, you know, these. A game of you know a a difference of an inch here, an inch there, and it not having any discernible impact on the play whatsoever. Um, that's that's stuff that drives you crazy. So uh, that that we continue to have to sit through these reviews and and throw your hands up in the air and wonder what in the world is going on. Um, it is interesting that the uh, power play disparity was as large as it was tonight that the Avs only got one power play um one real power play called tonight uh 
Um, and, um, you know, at the end of the first period, the second one was the failed challenge delay of game penalty. Uh, and then the rest was all, it was all Colorado. Um, just, 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 just kind of under underscores what was a kind of a weird game overall. A lot of soft goals uh, were scored tonight. I think uh, I would say that three of the goals scored uh, out of the seven were, were definite softies as, McKinnon and Wilson, uh, and the what I think it was Niskanen that got credit for that third goal at the start of the third period. Yeah, Niskanen. Uh, those three goals are, oof. you know, and that the two of them go to Colorado. Hey, you know, this is a team that that I think has earned a little bit of good luck. And when you say, hey, you make you make your own luck and blah 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 blah, um, you know, throwing the puck at the net. In both cases, both McKinnon and, and Wilson, you know, you know, McKinnon's was probably a little more intentional in that he uh, looked like he was trying to do exactly what he did, which was bank the puck off of uh, the skate or the back of the leg of uh, Phoenix Copley. Um, and Wilson's was more of, a, I'm going to throw the puck at the net because I've reached the goal line and I've run out of room. And this is the smartest thing for me to do. And, um, Copley misplayed it just enough that it ended up in the net behind him and, and the Avs snagged a point out of it. So um, that feels like a good stopping point for segment number one here as uh, I am just talking to myself. So I am going to pay a bill real quick and remind you guys about our great sponsor, Get Around. If you guys are ever in need of a car, truck, or vehicle for a few days or for a few hours even, Get Around is at your service. Get Around is a car sharing app. You can literally unlock cars near you through the app. Better yet, if you have a car that's just sitting around, make some extra money for your next vacation. Get Around's insurance policy and 24-7 customer service have you covered. Go to get.co slash bsn and save $15 off your first rental or visit get.co slash bsn to sign up for free to rent your car out and make start making some money fast. That does it for me here for the first segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I will be back on the other side to keep talking about Colorado's 4-3 overtime loss to the Washington Capitals. Don't go anywhere. When it comes to insurance, sometimes you never really realize how important it can be until you actually need it. Well, here at BSN Denver, we recommend Farmers Agent Bryce Babcock to all of our listeners as one of the most trusted and reliable agents in the metro area. If I was a customer looking for a new agency, I would recommend Bryce because his agency, hands down, is the fastest people I've ever dealt with to get information back to you. That was David. He's been a client of Bryce's for over three years now. I used to have my homeowner's insurance with another farmer's agency that never really followed up, never followed up on the price. My price was actually dropped by almost 20 to 30 percent switching over to Bryce, even with the same company. And like I said, his follow-up is awesome. He guarantees you at least a one-time-a-year follow-up that he will sit back and review your file with you. Like David mentioned, Bryce guarantees that type of communication because he understands how important it is to be relatable and accessible. He's a great person to not only be your agent, but he's a great person to be your friend as well. If you're interested in making the switch to Bryce Babcock for your life, home, business, or auto insurance, be sure to call 303-996-6509 and mention BSN. All right, welcome back in segment number two here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Bev. I am AJ Hayfley. 
hanging out alone and uh, talking to myself about the Avalanche's 4-3 overtime loss to the Washington Capitals. Um, boy, where to go from here, eh? Um, a weird night, a weird game. Uh, I thought Colorado started the game really hot, really on fire, and they had the one quick breakdown uh, that led to a goal against, and Washington really started to find their legs after that and push the uh, push the play. But I really thought Colorado responded at the end of that first period, and they I, th I thought the Avs were the more dominant team at even strength, and it was just the lack of discipline that really uh, caught up to them and, and put them behind the eight ball so often tonight. You know, uh, and and dumb decisions too. You know the Ian Cole trip uh, that he got called for, Zadorov's interference, uh, McKinnon's trip, and uh, then obviously the Ian Cole interference against Kuznetsov in the third period that turned into a whole brouhaha and got him ejected from the game. And you know we might see supplemental discipline. Um, in the next day or two uh, for Cole, depending on if anybody on earth has a camera angle that actually shows anything. Uh, because the one camera angle that Altitude was comfortable showing us didn't have anything of, of, of note. Like, it, it, it kind of looks like, to me, there, there's no reason for Cole to initiate any kind of contact there. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know why he's, why he's doing it. I don't know. The puck is long gone, and Soderberg is flying up the ice in a 2v2 and there's there's just no reason for it i don't know why he's initiating contact there or putting himself in that spot to begin with but <clears throat> the actual the actual hit itself i mean the camera angle was so meaningless it's so bad the only one that we got to see uh, on altitude and i don't know if the washington feed had something better more definitive it's it's hard to believe that with as many cameras are in a building these days that that was the best angle that anybody could dig up, but uh, it's it just didn't look like much to me, and obviously it looks like it's it's an assumption that I'm making that Cole flared the elbow out a little bit and hit Kuznetsov in the head, and you know because Kuznetsov went down, uh, he was hurt for a bit, and. Uh, you know, went to the went to the locker room and went through concussion protocol before returning and inevitably scoring the game-winning goal because that's how the universe works. But I do, I do think that um, there needs to be more. You know, if there is going to be any kind of uh, additional discipline for Cole or a fine or anything. Uh, that there, there definitely needs to be a camera angle more useful than what Altitude gave us. Which is just that... I I mean, honestly, I'm a little, I was a little shocked that that was the only one we had, the production there. And during the replay earlier in the, uh, earlier in the game, um, you know, I'm going to kind of divert into what is Altitude doing here. Because uh, during the the replay, instead of instead of somebody in the production crew being able to dig up the actual replay that they were looking at, and I'm sure I'm sure somebody's looking for it and they're trying to find it, um, but we saw we saw one useless replay of Landis Cog making the pass back to Barry at the blue line, 
that wasn't even close. And otherwise, the camera is focused in on the iPad that the referees are trying to watch the replay on. And I'm I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm incredulous. Like, are you kidding me? This is a major broadcast for a National Hockey League team. And this is this is the production that that they're giving us right now. And to me, that's it was it was insane. I thought that was crazy to me. <laughs> um, I mean, funny to funny to look back on now because it's just like, what's going on there? And again, like not knowing, you know, not being in that in that truck or in that booth or whatever. I'm sure somebody's trying to find it. It's not a lack of effort, and I'm sure they weren't sitting around like, "Oh, this is the best idea we can come up with." You know, they were they were just trying to make do with what they had, but certainly, you know, everybody everybody involved in that process needs to be better uh, next time around because wow, that was that was rough. Um, it's like it's like when we have a podcast where Adrian and I devolve into shouting at each other and getting all kinds of crazy and the show finishes and then I'm like, man, we we should not do that. We've got to be a little better than that next time around. You know, your production has to be just a little just a just a touch higher. Or when uh like when we used to have that microphone with that messed up cord that we didn't know was causing all kinds of tapping noises until you guys wigged out and got mad at us and we're like, "Can you guys please fix this?" and it took us forever to figure out that it was that it was that stupid cable. <laughs> yeah. Fun times down uh, down memory lane there. Fun times. Um, but anyway, uh, I I do I do kind of want to get into some some conversation here beyond just the the top line because um, I've been I've been a little tough on the top line lately, uh, but tonight they were exceptional. Uh, Landis Cog going utter beast mode after getting out of the penalty box. Uh, and and going and just creating the the call, second Colorado goal out of thin air by just outworking three or four other guys and throwing the body around. I mean, that's just nasty. That stuff is crazy. And totally justifies why I spent uh, as much time as I did writing that huge piece on him, which you should definitely go check out on bsndenver.com, which uh, I made free tonight. Um just because somebody th- told me that was a good idea, and I thought, hey, you're right. That is a good idea. So if you haven't had a chance to check that piece out, this is a shameless plug for you to go and read it right now because I worked very hard on it, and uh, I like it. I think it's a good piece. It's, you know, informative, and there's lots of pretty charts and graphs and colors. So if uh, if you aren't a big fan of reading uh, lots of quotes and, like, looking at pictures, I got that. I, I got you covered. So go check that out. Anyway, Landeskog, awesome. You know, Ranton and McKinnon each got goals tonight. Um, hard to complain too much. Obviously, their overtime performance is a little bit lacking. That continues to be the case, and they definitely need to figure that out. Um, I'm not sure what Jared Bednar can do differently other than putting his best players on the ice and say, hey, go win us or lose us the game, and his best players keep finding ways to lose the game. Because, um, you know, if... Colin Wilson and Matt Calvert are out on the ice during overtime and they lose, everybody's going to lose their minds and be like, why are they out there? So, and I mean, justifiably so, <laughs> you know, that's, that's anyway, I want to, I want to get beyond the top line because I thought um, for tonight anyway, I thought they were exceptional overall. Um, 
good production. Really, really liked what I saw to them. You know, they got a depth goal. You know, Calvert and Wilson. Um, I, I mean, Calvert gets like the free assist on the silly Wilson goal there, and late in the third period that ties the game. Um, but Colin Wilson. I mean, what a game for that guy. I mean, he had five shots on goal, threw the body around. He was consistently in front of the net, uh, creating chances. And while you can look at it and say the you know there's a good and there's a good and bad there, in that. He's in front of the net, and he's where he needs to be, and he's getting he's getting good looks. He's getting real good looks. Uh, and then there's <laughs> there's the bad in that he's not cashing in on those looks, you know. And the one where he does score is him throwing a puck at the goalie's feet from from the goal line. Uh, so you know he only gets so much credit for that, but. I thought overall he he played a really solid overall game. Uh, I liked it. I definitely think that uh, with his you know with his pending free agency, um, and and given that he's he's a he's a rock solid player. He's not spectacular. He's not flashy. He'll never score twenty goals in a season again. Um, he, I mean, I say that he's at ten right now. So I guess something crazy could happen over the next couple of months, and you know he pots ten more. Maybe maybe he ends up putting a bunch of empty netters in like Matt Nieto did last year, uh, you know, to, to goose the totals a little bit. But anyway, point being, Cold Wilson's been really good, and I think that uh, he's turned into um, outside of you know outside of Tyson Berry, I think he's he's turned into Colorado's most obvious trade piece that's actually going to be worth something because a guy like Stan Andrigetto, uh, I just don't know that another team would give up anything of meaning for him, and he'd be involved in another. Andrew Ghetto for Martinson style of deal though that that brought him to Denver in the first place where you're just kind of change of scenery for change of scenery you know you're trading problems basically um so I'm not I'm not sure you know as much as I think Andrew Ghetto is an obvious trade piece and I do think that he is uh there's a good there's a good chance that he goes um during this run up to the deadline uh I think Wilson has played himself into being a valuable an actual valuable guy that that should be able to fetch some some kind of a reasonable return. Um, he's he's a guy that you know he grinds, he works hard. He's not gonna not gonna give you tons in terms of the uh, the points department at this point in his career. It's you know it's not really it's not really who he is, but um, I think he'd be a really solid depth guy for a team. That uh, you know needs a, a bigger body that that consistently understands how to play in the NHL every night. Uh, you know he's not a top six guy anymore. Um, I mean I say anymore. Maybe maybe he never really was. Um, I would say probably never really was. I mean there was the one year that got him that nice contract that he's finishing out right now. But um, really, I mean this is this is a this is a twenty to thirty point guy for you and. You know, he's had some health issues here in Colorado, but I think the majority of those uh, have probably are probably in his past. And I really, I thought tonight was a really good game, a really good example of what he brings to the table, what he brings to an NHL team. And honestly, it's valuable for Colorado, given their depth is all over the place. Uh, and a guy like Alexander Kerfoot has completely gone MIA over the last two months. Um, you know, JT Comfer hasn't scored a goal I, God, I don't even remember the last time that happened. Uh, 
Um, you know, so those guys, those guys have been, you know, all over the board. Ooh, December 27th for JT Comper. Last time he scored a goal. Boy, it's getting, it's getting to be some time. Had a handful of assists since then. Uh, not as many as you'd like, but a handful. And I don't, I just don't think that these guys have, you know, enough time has passed now that it's, it's obvious, you know, hey, Soderberg is their best option It's as, as the second line center, but they tried that and it still wasn't consistently doing much of anything and uh, it wasn't consistently helping out the way they needed it to. And Kerfoot was totally lost uh, in that that kind of that kind of role next to Calvert and Nieto, and because of be because of Kerfoot's presence and because of you know his, I mean I don't want to come down really hard on him. It's not what I'm meaning to do here. Just that he's not going to be a guy that can play in a strong defensive role. He needs to play with offensive guys, and. Playing next, playing in between Calvert and Nieto um, is not gonna, not gonna get it done. Or Calvert and Andrew Ghetto, you know, whatever, whatever the combination was on any given day, because I know they jumbled it around a couple of times. It was just not. It wasn't getting it done. It was not going to work long term. Even though I do think that second line with Wilson Soderberg and and Comfer, you know, they had some chemistry and they they could produce a little bit. You know, and and hey, that that line even showed tonight. You know, the their you know I thought J T. Comper honestly had a pretty solid game. Um, you know, he had a that that great centering feed to Kerfoot, and Kerfoot tipped it on net, put it right into Copley's chest. Um, but that's I mean, that, and and that's one of those ones where I mean, Kerfoot's just got to finish that man. Like you've got to you've got to make a better. I mean, he does a good job to get to it, gets a stick on it, and then you're kind of just you know you're kind of just hoping that it goes where the goalie isn't at that point, but he puts it right into his chest. It was like the one place where he could not, where, where Copley didn't have to do anything to make the saves, to, to make the save on it, or he puts it right into his chest. And, you know, that, that Colorado depth just continues to be maddening right now, and it's obvious that they just need another, another high-end guy, you know, a medium-end guy, because, you know, Alexander Kerfoot went from being a guy that was on a 60 point pace for a while. You know, he was, he was rocking and rolling and, you know, he just, he just hasn't done a whole lot here. Um, you know, he's got, he's got, <laughs> it's funny. He has, he has goals and big blowout wins that they've had. Um, but it it just it's just not been enough, you know. The twenty six points in, in forty eight games for, for Kerfoot, you know, that's he had a forty three point rookie season, and obviously that was on the back of a high shooting percentage. Um where you know, he's he's not doing the same thing this year. He's still a little bit high, but he's not in the 20% where he was last year. It's not crazy. Um, and he's on pace for this, you know, 26 points in 48 games puts him on pace to repeat his season last year. 
Um, but that's, you know, it's just, it just hasn't been good enough. I'm, uh, it's been, it's been frustrating, um, with Kerfoot because there needed to be a step forward there. Um, and honestly they needed the, the, you could say the same thing out of, out of JT Comfort. The Avs needed a step forward from JT Comfort. And that's been, I think the biggest disappointment of the year, uh, in terms of the, what they what they really needed and haven't gotten. Obviously, goaltending is a huge issue, uh, and really has held them back. But the lack of a meaningful step forward from Kerfoot, Comfer, and obviously Tyson Jost in that category as well, um, really frustrates. And I mean Nikita Zadorov, a little bit on that in that level too. Sam Gerrard, a a little bit in that level. Sam Gerrard, like a little bit in that level. Not on the same, not in the same way as those other guys, but a little, just a little bit. With Zadorov. You know, three assists in 41 games, you got to be able to produce a little more offense than that, especially because he could easily put up 10 goals this year uh, if he just keeps keeps firing bombs away from the point. He and, and he's got the ability and the kind of shot that, you know, he can he can do it. He's capable of that. But offensively, you know, you need a little bit more from from Zadorov. You know, Ian Cole has 10 points on the year and eight of them came in the first month of the season. You know, Ian Cole's got to be able to help you more than that. I mean, there's got to be more than that. You know, Sheldon Dries has, what, he's just passed Vladislav Kamenev's uh, point total. So, <laughs> you know, uh, Gabe Bork still hasn't. Gabe Bork is still tied with, with Kamenev in points. You know, A.J. Greer got in there tonight and played like four minutes of even strength time. Um, his Corsi numbers were fantastic and he had one really good shift. Um, but you know, well, I don't really want to relitigate the AJ Greer thing. Not, not in this segment. I'll get into it next segment. If only because I only have so many things to talk about in one game. Um, but it's, it's just these guys at the bottom really have not done enough. You know, it's, you know, you say, oh, these guys are fourth line guys, but they need to give you something. They can't just give you nothing every single night. And the one guy that's really stepped up and really started to separate and looks like he's finding a, a total different comfort level has been Matt Calvert. Like Matt Calvert since the, since the, the new year has been one of Colorado's most prolific offensive players, period. Like, and that's that's weird to say, because you don't expect that. Matt Calvert, thirteen games played, counting tonight. Thirteen games played. He has nine points in thirteen games since the start of the, of January. Um, you know, and and he had a goal taken away from him that he should have had in Ottawa. So it could have even been better than that. And that's you know, looking at those numbers, that I mean, that's. You know, we've talked we've talked about how oh he's getting overplayed. You know, he's you know there's too many minutes for him. But I mean, this is a guy that's doing something with him right now. He's going out there and he's putting shots on goal every game. He's he's got hardworking shifts. He gets after pucks. He makes life miserable for opponents, and he's producing points. You know, and sure tonight was a cheap point. You know, he got a cheap secondary assist on a fluky call in Wilson goal, but 
it is what it is. And you know, if if you know, how come how come the other guys aren't aren't getting that? You know, that you talk about making your own luck, it's another really good example. Matt Calvert just makes good things happen around him. The guy's just been solid. And he's really I think he's really stepped up his game uh to a to a a, a better level uh since the since the start of the new year. And I mean the guy, I mean he's he's really for me it's it's interesting. Calvert and Ian Cole have kind of gone opposite directions. You know, Ian Cole came out of the gate and was Colorado's best defenseman for two months, and then came back down to earth. And now it's like he's crashed into earth and is drilling into it now. Uh, you know, just it's my overly complicated way of saying he just hasn't been good enough. And uh, takes way too many penalties. Way too many penalties, man. Um, but Calvert, you know, and I, I just, I like, I like Calvert. I like him a lot. I think, boy, he's, he's just been so solid. And, uh, as a replacement for Blake Como, you know, who really was, man, was he good last year? Um, I think Calvert's better, has been better right now than Como may have ever been in his, his time in Colorado. So, you know, I just, I, I think Calvert's doing his job and I think I've, I've really enjoyed watching him kind of turn the corner and this is the guy that I saw a whole lot of in, in Columbus that I was really excited for. Um, I still think, you know, (laughs) there's still too many, he comes down on the, on that PK and he fires the, you know, he fires that, that sweet wrister right into the goaltender's glove and that stuff drives you crazy. But you don't expect Matt Calvert. You know, Matt Calvert's not going to score 20 goals for you. You're, you'd be thrilled if Matt Calvert gave you 15 goals. You know, you'd be thrilled with that. And right now he's at 20 points on the season. He's got eight goals and 12 assists. And, you, you know, you're feeling good about that. Like, it's all right. But you definitely don't want Matt Calvert pushing Alexander Kerfoot in the points department. They're way too close together. Kerfoot needs to be more than six points ahead of him. Those guys just need to, to there needs to be a separation, you know? Carl Soderberg's kind of it. You know, 31 points in 53 games. If the Avs had two other guys that were that were in that, you know, were on that pace and were, were 30-point guys uh, with him, then they'd be in a totally different place. And, you know, I just think that depth, man, it's really, gosh, it hurts. And it's it's been frustrating. And tonight's game was, tonight's game was just an, another good example of, you know, the top line doing work and everybody else putting in good work. But they it's not high end enough. There's not enough finish in that bottom nine. There's not enough finish there. You know, the Comfer and 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 Wilson and you know Calvert and I, I like Matt Nieto too. I, I think Matt Nieto's solid. And these guys put a lot of a lot of good work into the games and they do good things. But it's it's just gotten to the point where it's been it's been real frustrating. Um just to see that they they create so much and they just 
for whatever reason, they just can't finish. Like the, I feel like the Avs have been creating enough. They could be scoring four or five goals a game, you know, and not having to get the fluky, the the fluky stuff like they got tonight, which was nice for them. It was nice to see just because they've gotten so little of it. But ah, they've they've got to be better. They've got to be better. I've got to be better. We've all got to be better. We all have room for improvement here in life, boys. So and girls. Um. So I'm going to take a second break because this has gone on long. So I'm going to uh, get some water and uh, try to stop uh, turning my head away and coughing on the uh, on the mic there because this is uh, can't complain about production and then uh, and then struggle to not cough while I talk through uh, through these segments. So this is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Bev. I'm AJ Hayfley. I will be right back. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, We have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs a family-friendly atmosphere we have colorado beers on tap all the games on the tvs it will blow your mind with amazing barbecue and welcome back in segment number three here the bsn avalanche podcast presented by total bev i'm aj hayfley and we are here i'm just gonna finish this off uh talking you know tonight i'll get into the aj greer thing um also, well, well, before I before I jump into that, I would like to point out that eleven of the twelve forwards who played tonight for the Avs recorded shots on goal. The only one who didn't was Sheldon Dries, who played less even strength time uh, than AJ Greer did. So that's interesting. Uh, Sheldon Dries three minutes and forty three seconds. AJ Greer four ten. Uh, Sven Androgetto, 448. So, big disparity there with that fourth line. And, funny enough, uh, while those guys were on the ice, you know, while Androgetto was on the ice at even strength tonight, um, 9-2 in shots for the Evs. AJ Greer, 6-0. Sheldon Drys, 5-1. All in favor of Colorado. So that's a pretty dominant performance. Uh, Matt Calvert, Matt Nieto, Carl Soderberg, tough nights. Uh, pretty much everybody else went positive. Uh, Tyson Berry was negative, which felt about right because he was bad tonight. I Tyson Berry was all over the place tonight, man. He was just there was there was one sequence in particular. Eric Johnson had pinched, uh, and Andrew Ghetto moved back, saw the pinch, and he moved back to the blue line. And for some reason, Tyson Berry 
jumped into the play as well. Like, never takes a look. Jumps into the play. All four abs are below the face-off circle. And, and Sven Andrigetto is the only guy back. And three caps were on the high side. And the caps ended up icing the puck. Or I should say clearing the puck. And it ended up down at the other end. Uh, and uh, Andrew Ghetto went back to retrieve it. And I was I, I just couldn't help but think, holy smokes, did they just catch a huge break right there. Because could you imagine? I mean, the, the Caps, basically any line, any twosome at all in the entire league coming down on a two-on-one against Van Andrigetto as the lone man back. Like, that's not what Van Andrigetto is going to do. That's not what he does. That's not who he is. Uh, but A.J. Greer, we'll touch on this. A.J. Greer, um, only four minutes, so I'm not going to get too hyped. Um, A.J. Greer has been okay. Like, it's hard. It's hard to do much of anything um, when you're, you know, you're you're getting literally four minutes and eleven seconds of ice time tonight. Like he had a shot on goal and a hit, efficient. But you're talking like five shifts. <laughs> like it's you just can't you can't expect too much out of the kid um, when you give him that kind of ice time. Um, and when you're losing. You know, and they spent they they spent the majority of this game trailing. That line just isn't going to play very much, and that's just the reality of it. I'd like to see. I'd really like to see Colorado actually leading a game for once and see what happens with his deployment. Um, I'd like and, and that fourth line in general because I I tend to like Sheldon Drys more than most, and you know as as much as I think Andrew Ghetto, uh, his his time has kind of run its course here in Colorado. I'm, you know, he's at least got some offensive spark to you, and the guy can just pour on shots on goal. I mean, he's there's there's no shyness in Sven Andrigetto whatsoever when it comes to shooting the puck. You know, if you you look, the guy produces shots on goal more often than not. And given given his ice time, you know, <laughs> this is a, this is a guy that can give you four shots on goal in ten minutes. You know, he he just he just the problem is he doesn't score. You know, he doesn't beat any goaltenders. You know, he hasn't scored a goal since that beautiful um, beautiful breakout play in St. Louis, the game that I was I was covering where uh, O'Reilly scored the overtime shorthanded game winner. Um, Andrew Ghetto hasn't scored since that that beautiful goal with Jost and Comfer in transition uh, in the first period of that game where they they were flying around and they dominated the first period of that game. Andrew Ghetto hasn't scored a goal since then. He's only had two assists in that time as well. Um, so you know, Ghetto Ghetto's a guy that needs to be obviously needs to be better as well. Uh, but I that, I just spent the last segment rambling on about that. So uh, AJ Greer, you know, it's it's tough because. You're not going to play him over Matt Nieto or Matt Calvert. You know, guys who have who have earned their bones in the league and have out and and I mean have shown that they're quality that they're they're solid NHL players. Like those are those guys are solid NHL players. 
and you know you're not going to put AJ Greer on the ice ahead of them. You're just you're not because there's too many good things that have happened with those other guys on the ice. The issue is that for me anyway is that you know Nieto is more of a fourth line guy and Calvert's more of a third line guy. Uh, if both are on your fourth line, I think your fourth line's really good. So, um, you know, with Greer, it's where do you play him? You know, how do you give him more of a role? Because he's not going to play more than those cats. But playing, it's not it's not unreasonable to play more, to ask him to play more than the four minutes and 11 seconds that he played tonight. Uh, especially because I thought uh, one shift in particular, and when there's only like five of them, then, you know, that counts, right? Um, but one shift in particular where I did, I did like what he did out there. I thought he had a really good shift. He, he, uh, moved the puck well, uh, and he used his body well, worked hard. And, you know, there's, that's, that's exactly what he needs to be doing. That's who he needs to be. It needs to be what's going on. That's, that's what he's got to bring to the table. I like that he was in the game, um, for Bork. He should always be, he should have spent this whole season ahead of Gabe Bork. Um, but you know, he's got to find, you've, you've got to find a way to produce. You just have to. And if that means that that fourth line needs to play eight minutes instead of six and, uh, your third line needs to play 12 minutes instead of 14 in my, my eyes, that's totally fine. Um, that's then that, that's what needs to happen. That's, that's perfectly fine. Um, it's, it's just, He's just got to show more of that consistently. I thought tonight was a good effort. Just needs to do his thing. Um, and again, like <laughs> you're talking about as a limited number of shifts as, as I am right now, you know, it's tough. But there's got to be there's got to be more there. And I hope that on this road trip, you know, whatever. I hope I hope he consistently gets to see opportunities because. You know, Gabe Bork has five assists in 39 games played. He only has 23 shots on goal. Like, there is nothing Gabe Bork is bringing to the offensive end of of the ice. You know, and you like him for his PK ability and his defense and, you know, that he'll go out and he'll hit people and blah, 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 blah. And that's, that's fine. Like, that's all good and well. But... It just... It's just not good enough. You've got to... You've got to be able to give more than that. And... Um, you know, you certainly like given what AJ Greer has done, uh, in the, in the AHL this year, you do really like, you know, Hey, he's got some offensive upside. Um, you know, he's got 29 points in, in 36 games and just give him, just give him more time in the lineup. Even if, um, even if it's still six, seven minutes in in the game, I I mean, if you're gonna min max your lineup like that, then that's how you do it. So play him. Same same stance that we've taken on this pod basically all year that there's no upside in continuing to play Gabe Bork over A.J. Greer. Um, 
figure out what you have in, in Greer as an NHL player. Like, figure it out. Because, uh, you know, if you if you don't, then, you know, a real you have a real problem on your hands. So, because this is this is a guy you use a second round pick on. You know, do you do you believe in the in the guy or not? You know, and that's the that's the real question here. Um, and obviously. With the expected return of of Tyson Jost, it's gonna get it's gonna continue to be dicey. But really, Jost should replace Andrew Ghetto, and then you've got you know, then then you know, and Jost on the fourth line. That's not that's not great either. Like it's not that's not where you want to go. Also, but. For right now, like if that's what you're looking at, then that's what you're looking at. You know, a, a Jost dries Greer fourth line. Certainly, you feel better about whatever that line is going to give you than Andrew Ghetto dries Bork, which is a known quantity, a known evil, a known non-factor in the in in nine out of every ten games, maybe fourteen out of every fifteen. Uh, those guys are going to be non-factors. So, um. Play those guys, you know, especially with the deadline coming up. No reason not to continue to be aggressive and 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 let these guys see some ice time. I mean, AJ Greer is exactly what this lineup needs. Just put it in there and put him in there and let him play. You know, he's a he's a big body that that can get after it. Like, there's no there's no reason AJ Greer can't be what Colin Wilson is right now. There's no reason that A.J. Greer cannot do the same thing on an ELC versus Colin Wilson's $4 million. You could get essentially the same guy um, for one-fourth of the price. I don't see the downside there. So, anyway, I... I have run out of things that I really wanted to talk about on this pod uh, about this game. So um, I do want to say Tyson Berry, Nikita Zadorov, not good nights for those guys. Uh, they got rocked uh, for as good as Eric Johnson and uh, Sam Gerard were uh, Nikita Zadorov on the ice tonight. Um, shot attempts, not in his favor, but even worse, Two scoring chances for, 11 scoring chances against. Zero high danger chances for, seven high danger chances against. Tyson Berry, six scoring chances for, 13 against. Two high danger chances for, eight against. Bad. It's a bad night. Um, definitely not the kind of night you want to see out of those two guys. Um, especially with Ian Cole getting himself thrown out of the game. Who... Ian Cole was okay tonight. He was fine. If a little again, like I like I mentioned at the very beginning of the pod, um, Colorado's defense as a whole gave up way too much in front of the net. Way too many good good scoring chances. Way too many high quality chances. Way way too many. But if Ian Cole was more or less this guy um, most nights, I think Colorado's fine. Um, he's just been he's just been too up and down, you know, too 
too much of a roller coaster. You know, the the comparisons to the Boschman and the Brad Stewart's are crazy. That's not even remotely close to happening. Um, the offense, I mean, he's got to find a way to produce some kind of offense, though. Like, something has to happen. Um, so that's, you know, you'd like to, you'd like to see that happen. But um, I would say that is, that's true of the defense as a whole. You know, and we've started to see a little bit more of that, but that needs to be a lot more consistent than it has been. This is a team that needs the secondary scoring uh, help and has the talent on the blue line to get more than it has. You know, Eric Johnson's really turned it up a little bit lately. You know, he's he's now all of a sudden the guy's sitting on 16 points for the year. Um, you know, but it's in there needs to be more. And there needs to just be more. Johnson, Gerard, Cole. Those guys all have to to chip in. Zadorov all have to chip in more offense. Uh especially with Tyson Berry, you know, he's he produces the the a cheap point here and there, um, but that guy is r- helping to run the top power play unit into the ground right now. It's a total disaster. Um, special teams, you know that the power play only had two opportunities to to frustrate everybody tonight. So, um, you know, and did it ever? You know, at one point there was a graphic up on the on the screen tonight that said the the caps were. One for four, one for five on the power play with like nine shots on goal. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how it should be. You know, you should average about two shots on goal per power play. Unless you score quickly, of course. But like, that's what you want. You want a couple of shots on goal for each power play. Um, And that's not even asking a lot. That's one, that's one per minute where you have a man advantage. You know, realistically, you want three, four, five. I want to create real chances. Colorado's not doing any of that right now on the power play. So whatever Ray Bennett is doing isn't working. He needs to seriously change it up because it is a disaster right now. And, you know, it was it was fun early on. It was insane at one point when they were scoring at, like, an unbelievable clip that everybody knew was unsustainable. And it's easy to look and say, hey, Colorado is still sixth in the NHL. But you remember at one point they were at like 34% and they were clear of everyone else. They've dropped 10 percentage points since that point. I just said the word point like 15 times. Um, that's, a, that's, a big, that's a big issue. If you look at it overall as a body of work and say, oh, well, they're totally fine. Um, you know, they've, they're, they're at 24% right now and they're sixth in the NHL. You know, they're higher than Pittsburgh and Calgary and Edmonton and Chicago, all of whom have star players who are going off this year. Uh, you look at it that way, and it's like, yeah, sure, everything's all good and well. But you look at it in the in the body of, uh, you know, recently. You look at over this this stretch hasn't hasn't been good enough. It just it just hasn't been good enough. So, uh, not good enough is pretty much. Uh, pretty much this team's you know where this team lives right now so with that delightful thought i'm gonna go ahead and wrap this episode up it has been an hour of me talking to myself so thank you guys for listening uh i will be back tomorrow alongside jesse we will be at sports column hanging out downtown um yeah i don't know what we're gonna talk about but it will be thrilling and you will love it so On that note, this has been the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Bev. We will see you guys tomorrow.